Hello and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. We exist to see lives transformed through Jesus and are located in the heart of Surrey, BC, Canada. To find out more, visit us at horizonchurch.ca. We hope this message blesses and inspires you. Well, amen. A very good morning to you all. Welcome to Horizon Church. Good morning, family, and also to Princeton family. We welcome you this morning and anyone else who is watching later on during the day and in the course of the week. I just want to let you know that today's service is going to be a little longer because I cannot speak as quickly as Pastor Craig and Pastor Daniel. <laughs> I just, so just take a deep breath and relax, okay? All right. Um, this morning, if I was to give a title to my message, I would say it's Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper. God is a miracle worker and a promise keeper. Already the Holy Spirit of God has been working and answering our prayers. He's been moving on our behalf. And it's a wonderful thing in the kingdom of God because... When you move on God's behalf, he moves on your behalf. That's why David killed the lion and the bear. That's how he could do it. Because as he was doing and going out and moving on God's behalf, suddenly God moved on his behalf and gave him the supernatural power and ability to get rid of the obstacle in his way. So Sarah, it doesn't matter what's happening. It doesn't matter, Shane, that we are in a battle. There is rest in the midst of the battle. It's the truth, and that's how God operates. And so fret not, be not afraid, your miracle worker and promise keeper is moving on your behalf. Therefore, Luke, what do we have to do? We have to do the will and the works of God in our life. And as you do, amen, and as you do that, God will indeed move on your behalf. Okay, I've got to get started. Now we're going to be in Mark's gospel, and specifically we're in Mark's gospel chapter 6. And I was debating if I should or should not, but I'm, I've agreed with myself. I'm going to read the scriptures. It's a little lengthy than normal, but it's not too bad. Just relax, okay? So we'll just trust the Lord as we move through the scriptures. I'm reading from the New International Version, and we're going to be in Mark chapter 6, and I'm going to read actually from verse 32 onwards. And this is what the Bible says. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. That's Jesus and his disciples. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot all, uh, from all the town and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them 
because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. And by this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But look what Jesus said. But Jesus answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, oh, that would take more than half a a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. And when they found out, they said, five, that is five loaves and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties and taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples, wait for it, picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. Verse 45, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida, which is house of fish, while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up onto the mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. And shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake, walking on water. He was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because... They all saw him and were terrified. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down. They were completely amazed for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret and anchored there. As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. They ran throughout the whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went into the village towns or countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplace. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. Father, thank you for your word because it's life and health to us. 
Would you continue to speak to our hearts? You have already. And would you continue to minister to us in the precious name of Jesus? Miracle worker, promise keeper. I have an announcement to make. I believe in miracles. I believe in a supernatural, powerful, healing God. And I say that because God supernaturally healed me. I believe it or not, I was a soldier once for three years and I was in a war. It was a terrible thing. And we were deployed into one particular area and we were carrying, it was a mountainous area. It was the eastern side of our country. And we had 90 pound packs on our backs because we get deployed for seven days. And you had to do certain things and you moved out for seven days. And then you came back and you refreshed yourself for a day. And so it went on for a six week period. And then after six weeks, you'd come home for 10 days R&R, and then you would refresh yourself in retraining to get all the beer out of the guys, to make their heads clear and think again. And that was my life cycle for three years. And in this particular instance, I was, we were working very hard physically, and I got a hernia. I was in absolute agony. So I had to radio to base. They had to come and get me. I could hardly move. I was in absolute agony. I was, I swelled all the way out and I went back to base camp. They caught, they, they, they then took me to an area where I got into an ambulance and I went to the closest city where there happened to be, there just happened to be a specialist visiting that hospital that day, and he examined me, and he said, oh my word, you have a hernia, and he gave me a name this long. And he said, I'm going to write you a letter. This is a specialist, and I want you, I'm going to order an, an ambulance for you right now. You've got to go to the capital city, and you have to have an operation immediately. So it was a four and a half to five hour drive to the capital from where I was. And on the way I thought, Lord, I'm your child. I was a Christian then. I'm your child. Lord, I want to pray for myself. And so I don't want an operation. And I laid my hand on my side and I prayed for healing in Jesus' name. Got to base hospital, camp hospital. The doctors all came around and examined me and they said, okay, we'll be back later. So they came the following morning and they examined me and they said, hmm, interesting. We'll be back later. The third morning, doctors, plural, came to my bedside again and said to me, there's absolutely nothing wrong with you. You are absolutely fine. Now, it was then that I realized the truth of God's word, that we can indeed ask God for help. We can indeed ask God as our miracle worker, promise keeper to come to our aid in our lives when we need him to do so. 
And I wasn't complicated in any way. I didn't, I, I didn't even really have the faith, to be honest, but I just knew what God's word said. So I did it. And so as we come into Mark's gospel, we're going to actually have a look at two miracles. But I want you to know that the gospel of Mark is neither a discussion nor a debate. It's an announcement. It's an announcement just like I made that God is a healing God. And Mark wasted no time in giving that announcement. You will notice when you do read Mark, even up to chapter 6, it really is a, a book of action and activity. And we even find it in the very first chapter, the first verse in Mark, where this is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. This is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. And Mark was actually writing this book really for the Romans. And his theme was Jesus Christ, the servant. And if you were to pick one verse in the whole book of Mark, it's chapter 10 and verse 45, which says, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life for a ransom for many. You see, the gospel of Mark is a very active book. And Mark describes Jesus as he busily moves from place to place to meet physical and spiritual needs of all kinds of people. One of Mark's favorite words is immediately. It's amazing. He only uses it 41 times. My English teacher would not have agreed with that when I was at school. <laughs> but Mark does not record many of Jesus' sermons because the emphasis of Mark is what Jesus did and not so much of what Jesus said. Yes, of course it's very important what Jesus said. But the emphasis of this book is what he did. And as God's servant, Mark wanted to do. He was learning from his master and he wanted to do the will and the works of God. So this morning, we're going to look at two miracles of Jesus, the feeding of the 5,000 and the stilling of the storm. But just to set the scene right now where they are, just before the feeding of the 5,000, the fame of Jesus had spread like wildfire and understandably so. Because you see, in the presence of Jesus, things happen. That's why the word spreads so quickly about Jesus, because wherever Jesus was, exciting things happened. And we have the privilege of having Christ in us. And when we as Christians are sensitive to his Holy Spirit, we too can do some exciting things for Jesus. And, uh, and all of a sudden they realize that no one ever spoke with such authority like this teacher. People everywhere wanted to be in the presence of Jesus, either to reap the physical benefits like healing or the spiritual benefits like preaching, hearing him speak, 
or the social benefits. In other words, it was it, at that time, it was the most popular thing to do socially to find Jesus and be with him. He was so popular. He would have probably, we would have termed him as a megastar. And because wherever Jesus was, things began to happen. In his presence, people saw the truth and submitted their lives to God. In his presence, blind eyes were opened. In his presence, people's hearts were changed. In his presence, there was so much happening in his presence. We had the experience just this morning in praise and worship to experience the presence of Jesus. You know, I became a Christian only when I was 17. And it was because somebody asked me, Dean, I didn't really want to go. I thought, I don't really want to go, but it was my best friend, Christopher Allison. We grew up together and he found Jesus. And I thought, I can't say no, so I went. And I remember going, it was in a house, it was a youth group. And I remember the first thing I saw were these young kids sitting in a circle with a, with a guitar singing and worshiping God. And I thought, oh no, not these people. <laughs> no, that's the honest truth. I, honestly, I was like, oh no. No, please. However, as the evening moved on, suddenly my thinking changed because I was in the presence of Jesus. I didn't know. I liked it so much, didn't tell anybody. I went the next week and then and the fourth Friday night, because of the presence of Jesus, I gave my life to Christ. It was the Friday, the 2nd of June, it was 10 to 8 in the evening where I came to Christ in the Dawson's home in Highlands. That's how distinct it is. And since that day, Jesus has been so good to me. His presence. And so Jesus was tired physically and emotionally. He'd been on the go and having had large and demanding crowds following him all day, to find respite, oh, that would be wonderful, to find respite and just to hang out with his dearest friends, the disciples, his closest friends. So he decided to go to the other side of Galilee and even up a mountain so they could have some time together. That didn't work. <laughs> that didn't work at all because the crowd followed them up the mountain. But Jesus, being the compassionate Savior that he is, you know, he didn't try to hide. He didn't try to escape. Because of his love for the people, he began to make arrangements for the organized chaos that was about to ensue. So despite the interruptions of his plans, the Lord welcomed them, taught them the word, and healed those who were afflicted. And having experienced interruptions many times in my own life and ministry, I must confess I marvel at the patience and the grace and the love of Jesus.
What a wonderful example to have, Jesus. The love of Jesus is so real. Just when I, and maybe just like you, when you surrendered your life to Christ, his love just poured all over you. And you began to see things in a different light. The love of Jesus is so real. Jesus loved the people. Jesus loved the people. I cannot love the people. You cannot love the people. It has to be Jesus in you to love the people. Are you with me? You see, God gives us his supernatural love to love the people. Now, I know you can see the feeding of 5,000 on the screen, or shortly will do. I'm getting there. We're almost there. But what I see in Jesus is his love and his concern for people. Remember, my wife and I, we had just been in the ministry just three years, and I had had it with people. Have you ever had it with people, or was it just me? I confess to you, I was struggling. I was really struggling. Three years, only three years in, in ministry. I was ready to quit. I said to my wife, honey, I'm going to go back. I think I'll probably go back to Standard Chartered Bank and continue my banking career. And I took some time off, just a week. And my wife's sister said, why don't you come with me? There's a cattle sale. They're selling bulls, Hereford bulls. We say Hereford, you say Hereford. Doesn't matter. And I went to this cattle sale, the sale of the year, and I was irritated. I was frustrated. I, I just, the people, the peace, all the people's fault, right? Never your fault. That's the people's fault. I was in bad shape. And I remember standing like this, leaning against a post, and I was looking at all the beautiful cattle, the Hereford bulls, these magnificent beasts. If you don't know what a Hereford looks like, Google it after the service. After the service. <laughs> and I was there, and I saw all these magnificent vehicles. I like cars, and there was even a Rolls Royce parked out there. This was the sale, right? And this beautiful home just on my side here. And I said something that I shouldn't have because I was coveting what I saw. And I said, oh Lord, on the post, what it must be like to have money. Now there's nothing wrong in having money, but I'll say it again, I was sinning. I was coveting what I saw. And as I said that, it was like someone poured a bucket of water on all over me. And the Spirit of God said to me, Michael, my son, what did you say? 
He says, you see those bulls, they'll die. Do you see those cars, they'll rust. Do you see that house, it will crumble. He said, my son, I have not called you to build temporal things upon this earth. I have called you to build eternal values in people. And for some of us in the audience, you'll understand, as God was speaking to that way, he disciplined me. Some of you may understand what this is. And he was very, he disciplined me. Why? Because he loved me. And then he asks a silly question, so I thought. He said to me, Michael, my son, do you love the people? What a question! He knows I was struggling with the people. You know, the people. But I knew what God was up to. He said, son, do you love the people? I couldn't say yes. Eric, I tried to say yes right there and then. I couldn't do it. It was about three weeks later when the Spirit of God was just ministering to me I said, yes, Lord, I love, I agape, I supernaturally, God, love the people. It changed my entire life. It changed my entire ministry. It changed this guy. People could hardly recognize who I was. The old man suddenly died and God resurrected a new man. This guy who could actually love people and not be so snarly and obnoxious and proud. I was terrible. Oh yeah, but that's what Jesus does. And so the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus has compassion on the people. The feeding of the 5,000, Jesus sent, the Bible says in verse 33, Jesus sent the 12 apostles out to minister because he had compassion on the needy multitudes. You know, my wife and I, we worked with the poor in Zimbabwe. We loved it. It was so exciting. And whenever we got someone I could take out and show them what the, the Lord was doing in the ministry and everything, they'd go out and, and people, and some people would say, oh, gross. Oh, man, what a dirty place. Oh, this is terrible. It smells here. I'm not going to work with that guy. <laughs> he, he hasn't seen through the eyes of Jesus yet. But when someone's, oh, oh, we, we can build a house there. Oh, we, we can help them improve this. And, oh, I want to invest in your nursery school. I want to invest in your young adults. I say, oh, we would love, because they saw through the eyes of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus' love and compassion moved them. 
the needy multitude came to him. The needy multitude came to them. And you know what the disciples did? They wanted to send them away. <laughs> it's hilarious. I mean, Jesus gets the multitudes to come to them, and they wanted to send them away. You see, as yet, they had not learned to look at life through the eyes of the master. You've got to see your issue right now through the eyes of Jesus. You've got to see your challenge right now through the eyes of Jesus. You've got to see that person maybe you're struggling with through the eyes of Jesus. Listen, God gives us the ability to do that. He has given a his gift of life to us and love to us in order to do that. You see, to the disciples, the crowds were the problem. The crowd was the problem. In fact, the crowd was even a nuisance because they were breaking up their little holy huddle. But to Jesus, they were sheep without a shepherd. Sheep without a shepherd. The disciples Oh man, they came up with two suggestions. As far as the disciples were concerned, by the way, um, they were in the wrong place at the wrong time and nothing could be done. And they came up with two suggestions to solve the problem. Either what we can do is we can send the people away to find their own food or we can raise enough money to buy a bit of bread for everybody. It's hilarious. Now, Jesus looked at the situation not as a problem. And that's what we've got to learn to do. If you're looking at your issue and your situation, see it through the eyes of Jesus. Jesus looked at the situation not as a problem, but as an opportunity to step out in faith and trust his Father and glorify his name. That's what he did. And acting on the basis of human wisdom... His Jesus' disciples saw the problem, but not the potential. You see, my friend, as you face your issues, as I face mine, the first step isn't to measure our resources, but to determine God's will and trust him to meet the need. And so it was Andrew, the disciple Andrew. He found a little boy and he had a little lunch. And he borrowed that lunch and they all put it together and they came up with five barley loaves and two fishes. John 6 verses 8 and 9. And the Lord Jesus sat the people down in an organized manner in the hundreds and fifties. And Jesus took that little lunch and he blessed it. Father, would you bless this lunch? He broke it and he gave it to his disciples to distribute to the hungry people. You see, the miracle took place in his hands. The miracle took place in Jesus' hands, not theirs. And for whatever we give to him, he can bless and multiply, right? Yeah. So we're not manufacturers. No, we're distributors. What God gives to us we distribute and share with others. Now that takes faith because you might not have much and because God has blessed you with this, wow, you want to keep it. But then suddenly God says, I want you to bless John over there. And so 
You're obedient to God. You do what God says. You bless John. And guess what? God just fills the purse up again. We are distributors of his glory, distributors of his love, distributors of his joy. We're distributors. We've got to distribute more and more in our lives. So John tells us that Jesus used this miracle also as a basis for the sermon on the bread of life. In John 6, verses 22. You see, Jesus wanted each miracle to be revelation of himself and a sermon in action. For the most part, for the most part, the people were amazed at the miracles. I mean, you see a miracle, it's like, wow. Yeah, it's true. For the most part, people were amazed at the miracles. They appreciated the help they got from the disciples and Jesus, but they failed to get the spiritual message. John 12 verse 37 tells us about that. It's very, very interesting. You see, my page is stuck. They wanted the gift, but not the giver. They wanted the enjoyment of physical blessings, but not the enrichment of spiritual blessings. We have to be good stewards. God has given us his love, his power. Let's distribute it to those around us. The second miracle, and this is a much shorter one, the stilling of the storm from verse 45. Now, actually, there are a number of miracles, or I should say a number of miracles were involved in this event. Jesus walking on water, Peter walking on water, Jesus stilling the storm, and Jesus, the moment he steps into the boat with the disciples, instantaneously is transported to the shore. That's quite amazing, isn't it? It was certainly a night of wonders for the twelve. And Jesus, uh, Jesus uh, compelled his disciples after they fed the 5,000, he compelled them to leave the crowd because the crowd was getting restless, the Bible tells us, and there was a danger that they might start a popular uprising to make Jesus king, but it wasn't his time. And so the 12 were not ready to face this kind of test either. Jesus knew that. See, Jesus knows what you can handle. Because the disciples' ideas of the kingdom of God were still far too national and far too political. Jesus still had to teach them some stuff. And the second reason is he wants to teach them a lesson on faith. That would help prepare them for the work that lay ahead of them after Jesus was gone. And that's what I love about Jesus. He gives us the ability uh, to receive from him in order to do what he's called us to do. So what do we have here now? So the disciples had just completed a very successful mission. There was healing of the sick. There was the preaching of the gospel. They'd shared the miraculous feeding of the 5,000 people. 
They were on a spiritual high. And this can be dangerous as well. I mean, it's good to be on the mountain top if you don't get careless and step off the cliff, right? So spiritual blessings really must be balanced with burdens and battles. Otherwise, we may become pampered children instead of mature sons and daughters of Christ. You see, on a previous occasion, going back to Mark chapter 4, Jesus had also led, notice, Jesus led his disciples into a storm. Following an exciting day of teaching in Mark 4, Jesus did that. And now, here in Mark 6 again, after a time of miraculous ministry, he again led them into a storm. And what's very interesting, even when you go to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 4 in the first four verses, it's interesting to know that there was another kind of storm. The storm of official persecution began, guess when it began? It began after they had won the 5,000 to Christ. And just because they were doing good and people were being healed, they got arrested and they were thrown into prison. So perhaps when they were in confinement in the prison, the apostles then remembered and recalled the storm that followed the feeding of the 5,000, and they must have been encouraged. They must have encouraged themselves with the assurance that Jesus would come to them and see them through. So Jesus was teaching them to have faith because we need faith in our lives. So each new experience of testing demands of us more faith and courage. You see, in that first storm experience, the disciples had Jesus in the boat with them. That's in Mark chapter 4. Jesus was in the boat with them. But in this experience, in Mark 6, they were alone in the boat. Well, where was Jesus? Do you feel alone sometimes? You say, where is God? Where's Jesus? Well, he was on the mountain praying for them. He was teaching them to live by faith. They could have called upon the name of the Lord at any time. And the scene here illustrates the situation of God's people today. We're in the midst of a crazy, stormy world, as, as we've already prayed for this morning. And we're toiling and seemingly ready to sink. But Jesus is in glory interceding for us. Even the writer to the Hebrews says that Jesus is our high priest in heaven and he ever makes intercession for us. Jesus was on the mountaintop overlooking and he saw that the disciples were struggling in the storm. And Jesus then came to their rescue. And it's very, very interesting to find that that when the hour seems the darkest, he will come to us. And you say, why, Lord, would you do such a thing? Because he wants you to move in faith. And then he will help you reach the shore 
and give the answer. So because he wanted, and when Jesus came and walked on the water, the Bible says he would have gone right by them. All they had to do was call upon the name of the Lord. When they came to their senses, because they were crying out with fear. See, when we cry out with fear, we lose our faith. We have to make the adjustments to what God said. And I'm sure sometimes Jesus must say, well, are they going to do what I taught them to do or not? Well, they called upon the name of the Lord. And then Peter said, Lord, can I also come to you on the water? Jesus said, yes. And Peter got out the boat and he walked on the water to Jesus. But on his way again, another lesson to us, he suddenly saw the storms around him yet again, and he sank. But the hand of the Lord came, as always, and lifted him up, placed him in the boat, and as Jesus got into the boat, supernaturally they were on the shore. My friend, I know it's not easy sometimes walking with God. And sometimes you don't quite know what's happening in your life. But I do want you to know this. Jesus will never leave you, nor will he ever forsake you. Michael, he is always with us. He's on our side. His heart is for us. He desires for us to win the race. And so he wants us to recognize him, to trust him, and invite him in. Jesus spoke into the situation. He said, take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. And I end with that today. As you look at these two miracles, Jesus said, take courage, it is I. Be not afraid. And so this morning, as the Spirit of God has already ministered to you and is, will continue to do so through his word, and even as you continue to think about your situation and where you're at with God, just allow the Holy Spirit of God to move over you and, and touch your life. And so as we review these two miracles, we see that bring, uh, Jesus brings provision and protection. And if we, tr if we trust him, we'll always have sufficiency and security. So trust in Jesus, he never fails. Could I ask you to stand with me, please? I know it's, thank you so much. Can we just pray? Father in heaven, I thank you for my friends today. And my heart is, Lord, for you. My heart is for the body of Christ my heart is for those that do not know you. And just as my friend Chris invited me, I went. And suddenly I heard. And then I responded. Dear friend, if you're in Princeton or wherever you are, or even in this place today, Jesus says, if you confess me before men, I will confess you. Jesus says, you need to do something first. You need to admit that you are a sinner. 
You need to believe that Jesus came to die and was raised from the dead. And then you need to confess his love to those around us. Now, Father, I thank you. If there's anyone watching or here today says, you know, Mike, I've never made Jesus Christ my Lord and my Savior. I want to do that right now. Just say, Jesus, come into my life. Make me that person you intended me to be, that I might be used by you. Lord God, if there's anyone here today, just put your hand up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for my friends. I thank you for your word. And we ask your continued grace and love to abide over our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, there's just two things I would like you to do. Just two things, very quickly. Some of you need a fresh touch from Jesus in his love. All you have to do is, Lord Jesus, here I am. I'm your child. Lord, would you come and would you fill me with your agape love so that I can enter into another dimension of love so that when I see, I see through spiritual eyes. I want you just to hold your hands out and open your heart and just talk to Jesus right now and say, Lord, I ask you now, I cannot love people. I need your help. Would you, Lord, come and fill me full of love in the precious name of Jesus? And secondly, if you need healing in your body, you might, if you can place your hand on your body, or you know of someone who needs a healing touch of Jesus, like my friend Jerry, would you just, I mean, uh, Wayne Spratt, he needs a touch from Jesus. Rita Elson needs a touch from Jesus. But do yourself first and say, Lord, I have an issue in my body. Would you just touch me? Put your hand on that. And now, Father, in the name of Jesus, according to your word, we receive. We receive your healing touch. Would you do your work? In Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.